0: Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today we start a new sermon series titled 50 Shades of Gray, the black and white on sexual issues. Senior Pastor Brandon Williams addresses the issue of pornography and the damaging effects it has on both men and
1: women. Morning church. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Everybody good? Y'all look kind of nervous today. What y'all nervous about? At least y'all aren't up here preaching about sex and sexual issues with your in-laws and your grand-in-law sitting on the front row, right? So it could be worse. It could be worse. But it's going to be awesome. Listen, um, I'm excited about this series. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 8 to start out with. Um, You can be finding that. um, But I'm excited about this series um, because I feel like it's time that the church tells people what we're for. I feel like the church has done a really good job... Uh, And a very, very clear job of telling people what we're against. But I believe it's time that we tell people what we're for. What Jesus is for. I want you to know our heart, but more importantly, I want you to know God's heart concerning these issues. Obviously, from emails and from conversations, very, very hot-button topics, right? But I want you to hear God's heart in these things as we look at over the next four weeks, including today, pornography, homosexuality, abortion and sex according to what the bible says and i want you to hear from jesus and from his word what god is for because god is for you god is for healed hearts god is for people who who have struggled with sexual sin and sexual addiction being set free and made whole through the power of jesus christ and that is first and foremost what this series is about. And so we're going to be talking today, obviously, from the bumper video about pornography. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. We're going to read there. Um, beginning in verse 3, we're going to read through verse 8. Um, and uh, I just believe this. I just believe that God desires to speak to our hearts in a very incredible way today. I believe that some of you, by the way, if you're a visitor here, welcome and surprise all at the same time, <laughs> right? Um, if you didn't know what you were walking into, like, it's not like this every Sunday, okay? Um, but but uh, we're glad you are here, um, but I believe that God, there are people in here today who did not realize when they woke up this morning that they had a divine appointment with the God of the universe. And some of us have walked in church week after week after week after week and and it's just become a habit and something we do. And you did not know that today when you put your feet on the floor that you were going to walk into a high school auditorium and that God was going to completely and forever change your life. But I believe that there are people in here today who have a divine appointment to meet a real God who really loves you and who really desires to change your life and who really desires to use your life for his kingdom. So, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart, made holy. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. Listen, listen. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. You saw some statistics earlier, but I want to run through just a couple of them. 72% of men, 28% of women regularly view pornography. The average age boys see hardcore pornography for the first time is 11.4. Most people instruct us that if we have a, a child, we should begin talking to them about pornography at the age of 10. That is my oldest son in four months. That makes me want to break somebody's legs. Preacher, no preacher. It completely Just makes me irate that there are people out there who would like nothing more than for my children and your children and for you to be addicted to something that masquerades as a path of life and takes us down a path of destruction. But the average age for the first time for a boy to see hard, poor, hard, hard, poor. Hardcore pornography is 11.4. 90% of children between the ages of 8 and 16 have viewed porn. The largest consumers of porn are 12 to 17-year-old boys. 50% of pastors regularly view pornography. Every second, 28,258 people view pornography. Every minute, $184,500 is spent on pornography. 38% 38% of adults say that pornography is morally acceptable. And yet, read, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. Paul, speaking of the Israelites and speaking to the church, says we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, meaning the Israelites. And in one day, 23,000 of them died, meaning God was so sickened by their sexual immorality that 23,000 of them perished. The problem for us is that sexual immorality and sexual sin does not sicken us the way that it sickens God. We live in a world that it has become morally acceptable. That whatever we believe is okay, is okay. If it feels good, do it. But the Bible is very clear that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to Destruction. I want to ask you this question. Has the world spiraled so far out of control that there's no way that we can stop it? Has, has, has things gotten so bad that hearts have become so corrupted and so callous that we're past the point of return? Is all hope lost? Are we, listen, are we fighting a losing battle? Am I wasting breath today? Has all hope been lost because the world and our culture has spiraled so far down that there's no way it can be turned around, that there's no way that it can change, that there's no way God can do a work in our heart to redeem us from the curse of sin and from our own lustful hearts. I want to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to jump in and see what God tells us about this situation. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would rule and reign in this place, that we would realize that we're not sitting in a school, we're standing on holy ground, Lord. And that today, Holy Spirit, you would move in our hearts and in our lives in a very real and very amazing way, God. Jesus, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and change hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I was, I was studying this subject, and the joke around the office got to be, I would be talking to somebody, and I'd be like, well, i got to go look at porn. And so I'd go back to my office, and, and I'd start checking things out. And I found out real quick, like, you have to be careful when you Google pornography. Right. Doing research. Um, it's like the, the research that leads to an addiction kind of thing. And so have to be real careful. And I started studying this topic and I started looking at it and I started just praying through God, what do you want me to share? And it's so vast. And, and the first thing I wanted to do is try to give you a definition. And so I started looking at what uh, se- the, the uh, secular world, what does our culture define as pornography? What does it tell us that pornography is? And I began to look at that. And what I found is that it differs with whoever you talk about. Or talk about it with. It, it, it differs. I mean, the Supreme Court couldn't even decide what pornography actually was or is. And so it begins to, so you begin to see these vast different. Um, I guess, definitions of what pornography is. But the one thing that I found to be consistent in every definition was this. It, it, it was writings, pictures, films, and other mediums that were designed to stimulate sexual excitement. Regardless of the medium that people agreed on, that, that that stimulus came, the one thing they all had in common was whatever medium was used, the one thing it had in common was that it was there to elicit a lustful sexual stimulation That that, listen... It was a legitimate desire, but it was being projected in an illegitimate way, right? A legitimate desire that's being projected in an illegitimate way. And so the world gives us all of these different mediums that tell us that, listen, it's okay. It's okay to be sexually stimulated by these images, What's crazy is 40 years ago, we've got magazines that are out on counters in time savers and in drugstores that 40 years ago were hidden under counters. Listen, those magazines, they're not even considered pornography. And our culture has slipped so far So much so that it can't even define what pornography is. And we find this vast definition of pornography that's broad and it's vague. And so this morning I want to encourage you not to look and define pornography by the medium that it comes through. Whether it's a film, whether it's a book, whether it's a magazine, whatever it may be. I would say define pornography by its function and how it works and what it does in your life. Because the one thing that all of them had in common was that it aroused Lust, and it aroused a sexual stimulation, and erotica in people. That was the point. That was the goal of pornography. What does the Bible say about pornography? I mean, right, we're in church. What what does the Bible teach about pornography? As I started studying it, here's the thing I found. It never mentions the word pornography. I was like, come on, God, help me out. Like, one time, never mentions pornography. The word pornography. And so I began to study deeper and I began to realize, listen, if the definition of pornography is something that elicits sexual, um, a sexual appetite, a lustful appetite in our lives, then we have to go to this place and realize that, that it's not just a certain medium. It's what it does on the inside of us. And Jesus was very, very clear in the scripture to tell us about lust and about what lust does. So many times when we look at pornography and we look... at at what it does and we look at how we should avoid it this is typically what we've got is don't do it don't look at it it's bad it's wrong stay away or when we talk about adultery we say listen don't commit adultery don't do these things and even the jewish people back in the day with the rabbis they were very clear on not not going to an extreme of having an affair not 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 looking um upon uh, a a woman and and then going and having an affair but jesus comes into the scene and he says, listen, you're living by the letter of the law, but you're ignoring the heart of what it's trying to tell you. So the Bible never mentions pornography, but in the gospel of Matthew in chapter five, verse 27, this is what it says. Jesus tells us this. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, it's not just the act of committing a sexual adultery with another woman. It's the thought that happens in your mind. Jesus is saying, I'm not here to modify your behavior. I'm here to change your heart. And so when we look at the purpose of pornography and the purpose of pornography is lust, it is for us to be sexually stimulated by somebody other than our spouse. We have to come back to this scripture and realize that Jesus is dead set against pornography because he says, don't even lust in your heart. Because if you've lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And understand, guys, listen, 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 girls, listen. There's not one person in here who's not guilty of that. So before we cast stones... Let's just all admit that according to Jesus, we're all adulterers. And I know some of you in here are single. Listen, a lot of you are single. You're not off the hook either because the one that you're robbing of a covenant relationship may not be your spouse, but it's God. You've entered into a covenant with God that you would not look upon another woman or another man lustfully. And yet we find ourselves at times falling into this sin or, or 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 getting caught up in it. The flip side of this, guys, listen, I told you that lust is is, an illeg- is 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 a legitimate desire. When you define it as a strong drive or a strong desire. Listen, if you are, are strongly attracted to and, and, and you have a strong sexual drive for your spouse, then like boing ticka boing boy, that's awesome, right? Go after it, man. That is awesome. That's what God created. Man, that is part of marriage. That is part of why it is so good to be married. Like husbands, your wife can do things for you. Nobody else can do. Right? Wives, the same thing? That's why it's awesome. In the right context, it is good. It's as natural as, as getting hungry. I mean, it's, just, it's part of the way God designed us. He gave us a very good desire for sexual intimacy. That is awesome. But it has to be within the right context. Our definition for pornography from a biblical viewpoint is that any movie, book, magazine, website, picture, or anything else that causes you to be aroused by and or lust after someone other than your spouse is porn. Any movie, book, magazine, website, picture, or anything else that causes you to be aroused by and or lust after someone other than your spouse is porn. And listen to me. Porn is sin, period. Period. Sin separates us from God. The Bible is clear that sin leads us to Death. And here's the thing I hear a lot, but, but I did this or I did that. I didn't die. My life isn't miserable, but maybe the reason, listen, maybe the reason we don't realize that in some way we have died is because we've never really lived. Maybe the reason we don't realize that this is taking us down a destructive path and leading us to death is because we've never really lived under the grace and the power of Jesus. Maybe He's never really had control of our lives. Maybe our complete identity has never been found in Christ. Maybe we haven't discovered yet what it means to really live if we don't recognize the destructive patterns that sin... And specifically pornography lead to in our lives send leads to death. Something we hear a lot about pornography, and people say this all the time is that it doesn't hurt anybody. It's just me. It's just me in a computer screen. It's just me in a magazine. It's me in a book. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's the biggest lie from the pit of hell that you could ever hear or ever say. It hurts a lot of people. Namely, number one it hurts God. It hurts God. We need to realize that all sin is sin against God. Here's the funny thing. Like you wouldn't look at pornography if you had to sit on the, like the, the roof of the courthouse. Like if you had to carry your laptop up to the peak of the courthouse where everybody could see you, you probably would choose not to look at pornography. The reality of it is, do we really think we can hide it? Do we really think that anything is done in private? And God sees it all. God sees everything. And here's the sad thing in the sad state of the church, people, is that when we hear that God sees everything and that he knows everything and that even when you're in the closet and and, and nobody else can see or you're in your bedroom and nobody else can see or you're in the shower and nobody else can see and nobody else knows what's going through your mind, God knows. And here's what's sad is that when we think about that, it brings more horror than hope because our view of God is somebody that would rather catch us rather than deliver us. Do you realize that God desires for you to be in a relationship with him, that he desires the best for your life? He died on a cross for you so that it would be for your good and for his glory. He's not up there as a ruthless dictator that wants to just slap you upside the head. Every time you look at pornography or every time you have a lustful thought or every time you do something wrong, he is a God who desires to deliver you from the grasp of sin to set you free. And the Bible says that he who is free in Christ is free in deed. He's not some tyrant God that just desires to see you struggle. Would he have died for us if his desire was that we should just struggle? He would have just left us in our sin. Does sin make him angry? Yes, it makes him angry. He is holy and perfect. And he's also a God that, that has to judge sin because he has to do the righteous thing. Does it make him angry? Yes, but it also hurts him. Listen, I'm an imperfect father. I know I'm imperfect, man. I am reminded of that daily. One of my biggest struggles with condemnation is not being a good enough father. And, and this year during baseball season, my son Dake, man, and my oldest son, he started out killing the ball. He was killing him by hitting it good. We get to all-stars like he couldn't get a hit for anything. And and he, he was struggling, and every time he'd go up there, man, he just hit a little ground ball to second base. I thought if he hit one more ground ball to second base, my head was going to explode. I mean, it just got that bad. And the funny thing about Dake is, like, he's got a real hard shell, but on the inside, he's real soft. And so nobody else could really see this except for me as I was coaching third. But he hit the ground ball to second. He'd get thrown out. And, I mean, he's so frustrated. He's coming off the field. And the one thing about Dick, I love him to death, but when he cries, man, he makes an ugly face. You ever notice, like, when people get really, really where they're crying a lot, like, their face, it just goes all kind of distorted, like, ugly face. And Dave, man, when he starts crying, he's like, I mean, it just all, I don't even know how he does it. It makes an ugly face. And so for the whole summer, I'm watching him run off the field after grounding to the second base and, and getting out again. And I see the ugly face. And, and you know, part of me was like, "Why wow, just get a hit, man. Just hit the ball. It's a pitching machine. It's going 44 miles an hour. Every pitch. You know, like, how fast was that pitch? 44. You know how fast the next pitch is going to be? 44. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. You know what I'm saying? But then the other part of me, I hurt so badly as I watched him run off the field. And I see like he's, he's in tears and, and my heart literally would break for him because I want to see him do well. I want, I don't want him to struggle. And here I am, an imperfect father, and yet the Bible tells us that God is perfect. He is a perfect father that loves his children. And somehow we think that God is out to get us. No, he sees us stuck in sin. He sees us ruining our lives through pornography. He sees us going down a path that ultimately leads to destruction. And the reality of it is we have a good father who loves us, and it breaks his heart to see us hurting. It breaks his heart to see us going down a path of destruction. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross and to be buried and three days later to rise again and to overcome sin and death once and for all so that sin can no longer have a hold on our lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus called God Abba, meaning Daddy. What an awesome deal. And Paul tells us that the spirit of God that lives within us cries out, "Abba, Father, Daddy." He is a loving Father that wants to bring correction. Yes, but He wants what's best for our lives. It hurts God. It hurts men and women. Pornography literally rewires your brain. So the lie that that pornography doesn't hurt anybody it is exactly that. It is a lie. Because the reality is that it hurts men and women. And listen, guys, we can laugh it off. We can pretend like it doesn't. We can, whatever. But listen to me. It affects your life. It affects your life. I was doing research on this, and I came across a book. It's an awesome book um, by, by the name of Real Marriage by Mark Driscoll. Some of you have read it. I know a lot of the people in our church have read it. And he had some quotes in there by a guy named William M. Struthers. He is a Christian biopsychologist. I could have read this and not given him credit, but you would have known this was not me. right? This is over my head, but I want to just read you a little piece from this book because I want you to understand the effects of pornography on a woman's brain or on a man's brain. Listen, women, it affects you just as much and in some ways worse than it affects men. Listen to this. This is what Strother says. He says, as we fall deeper into the mental habit of fixating on these images, The exposure to them creates neural pathways, like a pathway is created in the woods with each successive hiker. So do the neural paths set the course for the next time an erotic image is viewed. Over time, these neural paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. They become the automatic pathway through which interactions with women are routed. He goes on to say that when we view pornography, we have unknowingly created a neurological circuit. I told you this would not sound like me. Have unknowingly created a neurological circuit that imprisons our ability to see women and men rightly as created in God's image. One study showed that human, human orgasm affects the same part of the brain that heroin and cocaine do. Because of this activity, many have referred to being addicted to sex. I don't even know how to say this next word, but I'm going to try. The orbitofrontal cortex is our emotional modulatory system. This is our decision-making system. To be addicted to something is to release dopamine, which causes you to want it and to make the decision to pursue it. That's our addiction pathway viewing pornography while masturbating traces a similar path struthers wrote when sexual image come through the visual system they stimulate sexual arousal when there is a male performer they can be a mirror neurons whatever those things are it sounds bad i don't know it sounds pretty pretty uh pretty bad vicariously participate in the sexual act. If they arouse themselves to pornography, they now begin to set in place a neurological habit. The images arousal and masturbatory act are all associated with one another. This is how pornography addiction and sexual compulsion is built from scratch. It involves the visual system, looking at porn, the motor system, masturbating, the sensual system, genital stimulation and neurological effects, sexual euphoria from opiates and like addictive dopamine. So literally we see people that body, soul, and spirit are bound together through sex, sexual intimacy, and even through looking at and viewing pornography. He goes on and says they have now begun to store this pattern as a reinforced neurological habit. This is at least in part because oxytocin and vasopressin, I don't know are released slowly during sexual activity and released in much larger quantities in conjunction with sexual stimulus. These chemicals so heighten pleasure for a man that they, listen, these chemicals so heighten pleasure for a man that they essentially bind him to whatever caused it. This explains why for so many men, pornography becomes a neurological pathway to sinful masturbation and addiction, which becomes increasingly difficult to escape as each new high causes the path to become a deep rut. In other words, as we view pornography, as we have sex outside of the marriage covenant, what begins to happen is in our mind, there begins to be a rut, a path that is created. So that the next time we view an image, that rut begins to be wider and wider and wider until pretty soon our minds are are, are naturally drawn to think this way. That's why it affects future relationships because the path of our brain literally begins to be rutted. I have a of mine who said, you know, I don't have a path. I think I have the Grand Canyon. So it's like, probably. But it literally begins to take and form your mind. Is it not funny how science continually proves the Bible right? Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17. 1 Corinthians six fifteen through 17. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself, Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become flesh, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one. With him in spirit, I've always heard and always known that when we come together with someone sexually, that we become one in the flesh with them, and we become one body, one spirit, one heart with them. That, that God literally takes two people and makes them one. But is it not amazing that as we look at Scripture, we begin to see that, that, that God so designed us that, that that literally it even takes place in our bodies, physically and emotionally, as we are bound to these images or to the person that we are having sexual intimacy with. God literally designed us so that we could be bound together. Here's the reality, guys. You can probably think, girls, you can probably think back to the first person you kissed. You can probably think back to the first person or the first time you saw pornography. You can probably think back to the first time that you felt that that feeling like you know what i'm talking about like i remember the first kiss i ever got first grade i was an early starter (laughs) first grade her name was amy we were on the school bus on a field trip she kissed me on the cheek she was a freak all (laughs) right But I remember it just like today. I can, I still see the girl. I I still remember it. And the reality of it is these images are never lost. They are ingrained in our brain. Now listen, they may become fogged. They may become cluttered by so many other memories, but they forever ingrain our brain. And this is why it is so harmful. Listen, man, it hurts you specifically. One way it hurts you is it renders you weak. It renders you weak. It masters you. You're unable to lead your family. Listen, many fathers will not talk to their sons and daughters about the dangers of pornography because they know they're being a hypocrite because they look at it themselves. We can't lead our families when we're bound to pornography and sin. We can't lead our families when we know that in the end of the day, we're telling them not to do it and then we're going and doing it ourselves. It renders us weak. And I hear men all the time like, listen, 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 listen. Obviously, the Fifty Shades thing, man, that that hit and it was big. And this is not a series about the Fifty Shades of Grey book. But one thing I did hear in regards to that book were men, like all kinds, like men from everywhere. They're like, man, I love it when my wife reads that book. (laughs) Whew. When she reads that book. woo! I'm like, Really? Because here's the problem. Like, if she's only turned on by reading a book or or watching a movie, then basically what that has made you is an organ donor. (laughs) And if the purpose, if the purpose of sex is intimacy, With a spouse, which according to scripture, that is what it is, does not pornography rob and and literally laugh in the face of God. When we view it to stimulate us. Especially listen when we're stimulated by someone other than our spouse. Guys, listen, if if it's okay, I don't know about you. Like, I don't want my wife thinking those thoughts about it. I've almost fought people for thinking those, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, with my wife, I'm, God, he's a jealous God. I'm a jealous husband. I'm just going to tell you. I, I don't want my wife thinking those things. And if it's okay, like, as long as, as long as you're getting it or whatever, it's okay. It tells me a couple of things about you guys. Listen, one, you don't respect your wife, nor are you loving her as Christ loves the church. If that's okay with you, you don't respect her. Ladies, if, 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 if that's what it takes for you, you're not respecting your husband. I doubt very, now there's probably some in here, listen, listen. I doubt very many people in here would invite somebody out of a video to come to their house and perform the act with their wife. So, why would it be okay for that to be swirling around in our mind? Second thing is, it tells me that we don't understand the purpose of sex is intimacy with our spouse. It's not some animal instinct, right? It was created by God for an awesome and amazing purpose to be shared between a husband and a wife. It's not something that was invented by some pervert in a basement with a video camera and a young lady having an identity crisis. Was invented by God for a very distinct purpose. Some of us are so deceived. It tells me that we're, we're in one of two places. We're so deceived that we think it makes us a man, or either we're living our lives in a whole lot of shame and a whole lot of guilt, and neither one of those are correct. It hurts women specifically. It hurts one the same way it hurts men. Listen, ladies, the same paths are created in your minds. The same destructive patterns are done in your minds. The same effect on your thought process. But here's the thing I found interesting as I studied this. Listen, the statistics show that women are more likely than men to act out on the things that they read, including outside the marriage covenant. So, for all the guys who get excited about your wife reading or watching it, uh oh. Right? They're more likely to act out on it. One of the problems with it and one of the ways it hurts women is it objectifies the women. Basically, pornography, the only way to view pornography and to be okay with it is to say that it is okay to look at a woman as a KFC chicken bucket. Thighs, breasts, legs. Right? And to take... The fact that she has a soul and listen, that she is a daughter of God created in his image, not to be abused and be demeaned and to be objectified, but to be loved and to be treated as a princess and a daughter of the King. It objectifies women and it, it hurts women. Man, let me ask you this. Those of you who indulge in pornography, let me ask you this question. What if that was your daughter? Is it something to laugh with with your buddies then? If that image was your little girl? Because you know what? That's somebody's little girl. That is somebody's child. Next thing it hurts is it hurts marriages. It abuses the purpose of sex, which is intimacy. It abuses um, Porn literally annihilates the intent and purpose of sex. Here's what's awesome, and I want you to see the beauty of this with God. Is this biochemical love potion, as it's been titled? This is a release during sexual activity that, that, that is so binding. What is awesome about God is that He gave us that to be released during sexual intimacy with our spouse. Why? To bind us with them right? So that our hearts are literally joined together. Our emotions are joined together. That rut begins to be created for our spouse so that they begin to become our standard of beauty, that they begin to become the one in the very thing we're addicted to. They begin to become the one that, that when we see them, that our mind, our heart is drawn to them, not drawn off to somebody else, but it was given to us so that we would be attached and bonded to our spouse forever. Isn't that awesome? Just think about how God created us so that it would be a release that happens that literally binds us with the one that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. That is so awesome. Listen to me. Listen, God didn't say don't have marriage outside of the marriage covenant to ruin your life. He said it so that he could preserve it. He said it so that it could be the best it could possibly be. Not to ruin it. He's not a stick in the mud. But He knows what's best for you. The Creator knows what's best for the creation. Will you trust Him in that? But it hurts marriages. This, this release is so strong that two-thirds of men who visit prostitutes repeatedly go to the same prostitute. Out of all the thousands of prostitutes they could choose, they go to the same one over and over again. Why? Because their mind begins to be attached. they soul begins to be attached to the one that they've had sexual intimacy with. It hurts spouses and future spouses. Listen, if you're indulging in pornography, guys, if you're indulging in pornography, girls, you, you are hurting your future relationship. If you're having sex outside of marriage. You are hurting your future relationship with the one who will be your spouse. And unless our minds are renewed and unless our hearts are changed, we will forever be haunted by the images and by the experiences that we've had. The next one is that it hurts children. One of the dangers to children is it's just being exposed, that they end up being exposed to it in the same way. And listen to me, Dad, listen, if, if, if your mind is so jacked up that you think in some way showing your child pornography makes them a man, please come and see us so we can pray for you. I guarantee you, if we took a show of hands, a lot of the people in this room today, the first time they saw pornographic materials, it was from their dad's stash. And for many, it was because their dad showed it to them. Do we really want our sons, our daughters, traveling down this path of destruction? Some dads, as as their daughters get older, they can't even have an affectionate relationship with their daughter because as their daughter gets older, they begin to see their daughter as the ones they're looking at on the videos. They begin to see them as the ones they see in the magazines. They begin to see, and it becomes uncomfortable for them to be able to even show appropriate affection, which in turn creates a void in the hearts of young ladies, and they're going to fill that void somewhere, Dad. It hurts children. But listen, just in case, just in case you still question how it affects children, we've got a short video we want you to see. Check this video out.
0: where we regularly attended church, two Christian parents who did not drink, they did not smoke, there was no gambling, there was no physical abuse or fighting in the home. But basically, I was a normal person. Uh, I, I wasn't uh, some guy hanging out uh, in bars or a bum. Or, uh, I wasn't a pervert in the sense that, you know, people look at somebody and say, I know there's something wrong with them. was told. I mean, I, essentially a normal person I had good friends I, I, uh, I lived a normal life except for this one small but very potent very destructive segment of it that I kept very secret, very close to myself and didn't let anybody know about it and part of the shock and horror for my dear friends and family years ago when I was first arrested was that they just there was no clue. they looked at me and they looked at the you know the male um, American boy. And it happens, it, it happened in stages, gradually. It doesn't necessarily, not to me at least, happen overnight. My experience with, I say, pornography generally, but with pornography that deals on a violent level with the sexuality, um, is that once you become addicted to it, and I look at this as a kind of addiction, like an addiction, you keep craving something which is harder, harder, something which which gives you a greater uh, sense of uh, of, uh, excitement until you reach the point where the pornography only goes so far, you reach that jumping off point where you begin to wonder if if maybe actually doing it will give you that which is beyond just reading about it or looking at it. I'm no social scientist and I haven't done a survey. I mean, I I don't pretend that I know what John Q. Citizen thinks about this. But I've lived in prison for a long time now. And I've met a lot of men who were motivated to commit violence just like me. And without exception, every one of them was deeply involved in pornography without question. Without exception, deeply influenced and consumed by an addiction to pornography. There's no question about it. The FBI's own study on serial homicide shows that the most common interest among serial killers is pornography those of us who are who have been so much influenced by violence in the media in particular pornographic violence are not some kinds of inherent monsters we are your sons and we are your husbands and we grew up in regular families, and pornography can reach out and snatch a kid out of any house today. They snatched me out of my they snatched me out of my home 20, 30 years ago, and, and as diligent as my parents were. in a society that that, that tolerates.
1: Listen, I'm not telling you that every child that sees pornography is going to end up being Ted Bundy, right? What I am telling you is that it's going to affect them in in, in bad ways. It's going to bring devastation into their life in some ways. I talked to college student after college student who has now been engrossed in the struggle and they want out. We need to realize, and quit thinking that it's no big deal. I was thinking about this and praying through it and, and, and asking God, you know, why? Why is it such a rampant thing in our culture? Why is it so huge? Why is it that, that, that we, we see so many people struggle with this issue? And I actually went and talked to a friend of mine who has had his own struggles, who, who's dealt with this himself. And, and I began to ask him, like, what led you down this path? What is it that caused it? And, and as we thought about it, as we prayed, as we talked, as I read scripture, I came down to about three different things that I've seen cause this. And I want to hit them real quickly. And then I'm going to tell you how we can overcome this sexual addiction to pornography. The first one is that we're looking for this validation of our lives. We look for validation. Listen, so many young men, they hear over and over again, that if I'm going to be a man, I have to be with a woman. If I'm, if I'm not going to be with a woman, I need to, somehow I need to to, to at least be having the thoughts or, or, or viewing the images or doing whatever um, I can to make myself feel like a man for girls. Listen, so many times we enter into sexual immorality. We get caught into things that, that aren't right. Why? Because we're wanting somebody to validate our lives, to make us feel loved, to fill a void that our father never filled, to do things so that that we feel value so we look for validation another one is acceptance we long to be accepted it's why gangs are so popular people are looking for people to accept them and so people go and they're looking for acceptance and, and here's what my buddy told me he said that the hard thing about pornography is i could go to the computer and i was always accepted I could have the redhead, I could have the blonde, I could have whatever I wanted, and she never said, no, I never got rejected. So There's an acceptance factor, and then there's an intimacy. We were created for intimate relationships. The problem is pornography hijacks the intimacy that God intended for our lives. We have traded shallow, superficial, shacked-up relationships for the intimacy that God desires for us to have with Him. All three of those things end up leading us to a place where we struggle with unbridled desires that run rampant and that pretty soon have taken over our lives and hold us hostage. The reality of it is, guys, that anything that we desire and is not brought up by our desire for God becomes sin, and sex and lust are no different. I want to real quick tell you how we can overcome pornography. I'm going to do it in a way. It's kind of cheesy, kind of cheesy, but I think you can remember it. I want you to remember three words: stop, drop, and roll. All right? Stop, drop, and roll. What do we do? What do we use stop, drop, and roll for? Fire. I believe that if you will remember these words, that you can also overcome pornography. That we can truly be set free from pornography and pornography addiction. Number one, stop. Listen, stop being the victim. Listen, we've got a choice. We can either be a victim or we can be victorious. Every one of us have had things in our lives that didn't go our way. But the reality of it is that we can have victory in Christ. But we've got to get to a place where we stop being the victim of everything that's gone on to this point and realize that if we come to Christ and we trust in Jesus, then he makes us a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You can't be a victim and live in victory at the same time. Today what I want to tell you is that the good news of Jesus is that you can have victory. Some of you have given up, completely given up on this, and now the reality is you basically surrendered to the fact that this is just who I am. I beg to differ because God says you're something different. When are we going to stop listening to the voices of condemnation and begin listening to the voice of God? Have we made mistakes? Yes. Have we screwed up? Yes. But God has overcome them through his son on a cross. And when he rose on the third day, the same resurrection power that was in Christ has given us power to overcome sin. Stop being the victim. Stop rationalizing it. Well, I would say, well, everybody's doing it. It's just what people do. That worked when we were 10, not when we're 30. Stop rationalizing it. It's not normal. God desires better for your life. Stop blaming everyone else on your sin. Be honest with yourselves. Listen, the problem is not outside of us. It's not other people it's not 50 shades of gray it's not magic mike it's not the porn industry the problem is on the inside the problem is in our heart the last one is stop running after porn you're trying to put out an unquenchable fire with fire that doesn't even make sense the second one is drop no first of all drop your guard we've already said nothing has been done In private, God knows. Why are you continually running from God? You're carrying hurts, you're carrying wounds, you're carrying uh, wounded hearts, you're carrying uh, wounds that, that exist from sexual experiences, from pornography, you're carrying shame, you're carrying guilt. Drop it, go to the foot of the cross and leave it. You don't have to carry it. Sin does not have to define your life. The grace of God can and will. Find a pastor or a Christian counselor, a Christian friend help you to help you open up and to begin to heal your life. Drop your sin. Number two, drop your sin. Repent of it. Turn your back on the destruction of sin and turn to look into the face of Christ. Just turn from it. Drop it. Drop it and leave it and walk away. Don't play with it. Listen, crucify it. Our sins have been crucified on the cross. Nail them there and don't take them off. Do not resuscitate. Don't try to poke it and prod it and wake it up. Let that thing lay and move away from it. Just number three, roll. Get the heck out of there. Like whatever it is that's leading you into this, don't go there. Like leave it and go away from it. I was talking to another friend who's had his own issue. He's like, the way, one thing I have to do is I have to get up and leave. I have to go. I have to get away. I can't continue to do it. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, listen, cast off everything that entangles and the sin that so easily ensnares and run with perseverance to raise smart out for you. And he says, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, pursuing him, running after him, going after Jesus. Roll out of there. Listen, there's some practical things you can do in your life. You can put computer filters on. You can get rid of the movie channels. You can do the social media thing where you get rid of social media. All that's awesome. There are websites. You can go to triplexchurch.com. That is an actual church. triplexchurch.com. Wow, right? You can go there. They've got a thing called X3 watch. You can have a accountability partner that if you look at something that's not good on the Internet, it'll send you him a text or it'll send an email and they'll get it. And they can call you and say, hey, are you looking at something you shouldn't be looking at? And all that's awesome and all that's good. But we have to realize that the problem is not out there. The problem is in here. And we can't blame anybody or anything else. The Bible says that we are led away into sin by our own temptations, by our own wicked heart. And listen, until we deal with the heart issue, we'll never overcome this temptation But the reality of it is that you can overcome by saturating your heart in Christ. Saturating your heart in Christ. I want you to hear this. The same power of grace that overcame sin and that overcame death will also finish the work that God has begun in you as it sanctifies your life. Grace is not a one-time event. Grace is a lifestyle that when we are surrendered to Jesus, our hearts are changed, our lives are changed, and He continues to change us. The problem is that we just can't say no and think that somehow mere refusal... To change our desires your desires aren't going to just change by saying no, there's still a void there There's still something that has to be healed There's still a heart that's not made right and until we turn to jesus and we put our focus on him And we begin to trust him and we begin to magnify him. We will never overcome the temptation of sin We will never overcome our addiction to pornography until jesus becomes bigger than our sin We've got to get to a place where we see him so clearly that the one thing we want more than anything is him. And if this sounds foreign to you, my question would be, do you know him? Because if you know him, you know the treasure you have. You know that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is true, that our minds can be renewed as we fall more and more in love with Jesus. That the reasonable thing is for us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. This is our acceptable act of worship. We know this when we begin to see the treasure of Christ. But so many of us are spending time focusing so much on our sin that we lose sight of Christ. We can't overcome sin focusing on sin. We overcome sin by focusing on the one who defeated sin once and for all. My question to you is this. Listen, let's clap clap if you're going to clap if you're awake. Listen. The reality of it is, people, listen to me, that, that we can overcome, but we can't overcome adhering to religious rules. And if you hear anything I'd say this morning, I want you to hear this, that Jesus can overcome sin in your life. I want you to get that today. I want you to understand that the blood of Christ can truly purify your heart and your life. I experienced this for the first time. We're going over today. I hate it for you. But I experienced it for the first time in my life. It was actually with my spouse, my wife. And, and listen, I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But my wife loved me. And listened to me. We were married for four months before I surrendered my life to Christ. And I remember being in Savannah on multiple occasions. I was drunk out of my mind. And and there there were multiple times that girls would come up to me. And they were ready to go, man. And and I wasn't so perfect that that I didn't want to go to. That I didn't want to to go back to the hotel room. That I didn't want to do things with them that I knew I shouldn't do. But I knew that at home waiting on me was the greatest treasure I'd ever found in my life. And I wouldn't trade. I would not trade a moment of sexual pleasure for what I knew I was going to spend with the rest of my life. Two weeks later, I went on a spiritual retreat, literally with alcohol still reeking off my breath. I mean, I was, I was, my heart was in a bad place and I was heading down a bad path, and I remember sitting there one sa- on Saturday at lunch. And, and I told God all the crap I was doing wrong. And, and I got to this place where at, right after lunch, this guy gave a talk and he comes up and he's preaching at me and he's calling out every sin that I had. He was he was talking about everything I was doing wrong. And I was like, I'm about to punch this guy. This dude's ticking me off. And I wanted to go up and punch him in the mouth. And then I don't know how God talks to you, but I know how he talks to me. And right there in that moment, God said, why don't you shut up and listen to him? He said, why don't you shut up and listen to him? And I realized in that moment that the only thing I had to do was to turn away from my sin and turn to Christ. And when I turned to Christ, he changed my life forever. And I overcame sin and I've overcome death and not every day is perfect, but I know that the one who lives in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And I know that I have found a treasure that is so good and is so perfect and is so awesome that I'm not trading that relationship for anything. And if we can ever get our eyes fixed on Christ to see the treasure that he is and the treasure that we have, there's nothing that we'll trade that for. There's no temptation so great that we would we would give this up to have this small, despised, weak little thing dictate and run our lives. We aren't some kind of peasant. The Bible says that we are royalty, that we are children of God and that God has done an awesome work through the work of Christ and that we can overcome overcome sin. My question is, do you know him? Do you realize the treasure that he is? Because when you realize the treasure that he is, you will overcome. Dang it. <sighs> Listen, I want you to hear my heart. I don't know if anything brings guilt and shame like sexual sin. But today you have a God who is bigger than your sin. There is a treasure in Jesus Christ. It is so much greater than anything you can find in this world. But you don't get him by sticking one foot in the water and one foot on land. You get him when you dive headfirst and you go after him. You surrender all. There's nothing greater that you will find in this world or the next. I read 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 to finish, and and I asked you, I'm not going to read it again. We're out of time. And I asked you a question. Has the world gotten so bad, so bad, that it's beyond hope? Are our hearts so callous that they're beyond hope? And the answer to that question is no. Because to say that the world is beyond reach, that the world is beyond change, is to say that you're beyond reach and you're beyond change. And it's contradictory to the word of God because the Bible tells us that he can change the hardest heart. He can do an incredible work in every person sitting here today question i would ask you is are you willing to surrender your life and to die in this world so you can live in the next Are you willing to give it all up to find the one the greatest treasure that there's ever been there ever will be because it's available my prayer is today that somebody somebody in here today god has spoken to your heart He has done a work in your heart and it's you for maybe the first time ever or the first time in a long time you have seen the treasure of Jesus and the power of the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says that if we'll simply repent which means turn from our sin and turn to Christ that times of refreshing will come upon our lives. I know there's some of you here today who need refreshing. Listen, you may not struggle with pornography, but you're here today and you know there are things in my life that are hindering me from following Jesus. This is what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up. You need refreshing. Today you know I need to turn and trust Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now because, listen, are you willing to be bold enough? Thank you. Are you willing to be bold enough to say... That I need Jesus. That I need this treasure in my life. Listen, stand up, man. Listen. Proclaim the fact that I need Christ. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being crazy. Just set your eyes on Christ. Look to the treasure that he is. Go to the word of God. My prayer is that you will fall more and more in love with Jesus. Your hearts will be transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit every day. Every day. We invite you all to stand. Listen, we're going over. If you've got a roast in the oven, you take off. But this is what I'm going to tell you. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God is about to move in people's hearts. You need to get to this altar and pray. Our prayer team will come down. I'm changing everything this morning, but the prayer team can come down here and pray. We've got people down here to pray for you, but you get here during this song as we sing about God coming to our rescue. If you'll turn from your sin, times of refreshing will come. Turn to Jesus, the greatest treasure in our lives.